from Argus Media, this is Driving Discussions, a podcast series with a focus on forces that affect North American road fuels. Greetings and salutations once again. I'm Argus's U.S. Gulf Coast Blundstocks reporter Jason Mitko, and on this episode, we're catching up with Nathan Risser. He's our U.S. downstream reporter. We're talking the fall refinery turnaround season, as well as corporate earnings and refining for the rest of 2023. Nathan, welcome back to the presentation. Good to have you. It is finally feeling like fall outside, which means the calendar says it's October, which is correct. And I know October means fall turnaround season's underway. How has this year compared to previous years in getting to this point? Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yes, correct. Full turnaround. Weather is a bit cooler. Very much enjoying that here in Houston. The big topic right now in the downstream is seasonal maintenance. So, so at Argus, we're, we track we track turnarounds, the ones we've confirmed. And at the moment, we're looking at turnarounds that are affecting up to 2 million barrels a day of US and Canadian refining capacity that are set to take place in the remainder of the year, with a chunk of that work having already started in September. So just to be crystal clear on those numbers, what we do is we take all the turnarounds we've confirmed, we add up the barrel a day capacity of all those refiners, and we get that number up to 2 million barrels a day of turnarounds through the rest of 2023. Now, some turnarounds, they take whole refineries offline, others remain online, but throughputs are curtailed as certain units undergo work. So that's why we say up to 2 million barrels a day. The number could be lower, the number could be higher, unplanned outages could also make that number higher. We also don't know how some of the turnarounds um, overlap. So at what point in the year, most of that capacity could be offline. Now, putting this in context, refiners have two main maintenance seasons, the spring maintenance season and the fall maintenance season. This year's spring maintenance season was heavier than normal following high refinery run rates in 2022. Then what happens in the summer is refiners don't conduct or they they try not to conduct maintenance as it's peak demand season, and they want to capture those margins specifically on gasoline as US consumers are driving more heavily. Then demand wanes into the fall and winter and refiners start doing the maintenance. And we've already seen reduced run rates, which are clearly underway. So in the week ended the 29th of September, Utilization rates in the U.S. were already down to 87% after running in the mid-90s during the summer. The reason full maintenance is important, or the level of full maintenance for refiners is important, is that the back half of the year is when stocks are rebuilt, when gasoline and diesel stocks are rebuilt in the U.S. market. So the extent of the turnaround activity somewhat dictates how much those stocks can be rebuilt. That's important for product prices because when you have low inventories in the US, that puts upward pressure on refined product prices the same way that low crude stocks globally in the US puts upward pressure on crude prices. And going into the full maintenance season, gasoline and diesel inventories, particularly on the US Atlantic coast, are low. So if we look at the numbers, Atlantic coast gasoline stocks in that same week ended 29th September were... 59 million barrels compared to a five-year average of around 61 million barrels for distillates. um, Those Atlantic Coast stocks were around 28 million barrels compared to a five-year average of 40 million barrels. So the gasoline number is a bit closer to the five-year average, and they have been rebuilding over the last couple of months. But distillate stocks are still low, and there's there are two major Atlantic coast turnarounds happening that could somewhat prevent that typical seasonal stock build. 
So one is Delta Airlines' 190,000 barrel a day Monroe Energy Refinery in Pennsylvania, and the other is Irving Oil's 320,000 barrel a day St. John Ref Refinery, which is on the, uh, the Canadian coast. Those both began turnarounds in mid to late September. When those started, I spoke to fuel buyers on the Atlantic Coast uh, Atlantic Coast markets, and they weren't particularly worried about gasoline or diesel supply during the turnarounds. So short term, there are no worries, but it could be a longer term factor, meaning that the the seasonal stock build on the Atlantic Coast isn't going to be as much it is in some years. If you think about the Atlantic Coast, there's 900,000 barrels a day of refining capacity without Canada. So even taking 200,000 barrels a day from Monroe offline could somewhat impact how much they're able to build build stocks in that period. That somewhat can give an indication about prices going into the winter. And then two structural things happening in the background are the war in Ukraine, which since it started has been pulling diesel barrels away from the Atlantic coast and to Europe, and also the colonial pipeline which pipes up product from Pad 3, the Gulf Coast, is at capacity. So it's looking like the seasonal stock build on the Atlantic coast isn't going to be like it has been in normal seasons, and that's why turnarounds have been a big area of focus for us at Argus in the last couple of weeks. He is our U.S. downstream reporter, Nathan Risser. This is another edition of Driving Discussions. Nathan, let's talk money and finances here for a second. One of, one of the great talents about Nathan, by the way, is he's a tremendous writer, and he's been writing a lot about second quarter earnings. And Nathan, one of the things I noticed is that for a lot of these companies, they took a pretty big hit compared to the same quarter last year. What was the driving force behind that? Is there a commonality there? Thank you for the kind words, Jason. Um, I'm not a very good writer. I just have a, a very good editor. Um, he's he, he's also my boss, so I have to say that. Um, yeah, let's let's switch things up and talk about the finances. We're we're heading into earnings season at the end of this month, um, with Valero kicking things off on Thursday, the 26th. And there's been a bit of a souring on refinery stocks from an investment perspective over the last couple of months. Now here at Argus. We don't really care about that as we're more focused on what moves commodity prices. Um, but it's interesting to see the reasons why some analysts at banks are downgrading refiners. So as you mentioned, those second quarter earnings, bit of a drop. Let's start with the recent history. So in the second quarter, every major refiner and also the refining segments of integrated energy companies like Chevron and Exxon, they all posted a drop in earnings from a year earlier from the second quarter of 2022. That decline was driven by narrower refining margins, which had been moderating from these near record highs a year earlier. Those near record highs were driven by this demand surge that happened post-COVID as the economy recovered perhaps faster than um, expected and demand ticked up. And also that other factor we mentioned in terms of Atlantic Coast stocks, which is the war in the war in Ukraine rerouted refined product flows to Europe, depleted stateside inventories, kept those margins for refiners nice and wide. One thing that happened in the second quarter as well, as margins were declining, was refiners who were geared to process heavier crude grades. So this is Liendel Bissell, Marathon, Valero, Philip 66. They saw a narrower spread between heavy and light oil grades, which effectively increased 
their refinery feedstock costs and left less room for them to capture profits. They'd been benefiting from this this wide, heavy, light crude spread for the the twelve months running up to that that period. So they saw they saw this narrowing, which affected their profits. And then, as always, planned maintenance and unplanned outages um, curtailed profits for some refiners during that period. HF Sinclair was an interesting one to look at, whose uh, second quarter 2023 throughputs were down by 12% compared to the second quarter of 2022. And then the other big one would be Marathon, who had a major fire at its Galveston Bay, Texas refinery in May, and that cut about 2.5 million barrels of throughput during during the quarter. We'll also be watching them in the third quarter earnings because they they recently took a hit at their Garyville refinery in Louisiana that had a, a major naphtha tank fire in, in August. So so that was the second quarter. Bit of a bit of a tightening, bit of a narrowing in margins, which led to lower profits. But despite that, we always have to remember US refining margins are above historical levels for this point in the economic cycle. And the commentary given in those second quarter earnings calls was that the expectations, the forecasts were for margins to widen and for profits to get better in the second half of the year. Um, I remember PBF's chairman, Tom Nimbley, said on the call that he very much expects the heavy, heavy light crude spread to widen as we head into a busy maintenance season. And there's some other factors driving that as well, such as um, increased heavy crude production from Western Canada, who come out of their their own upstream turnaround season around now, and increased production from Venezuela, which with all that extra influx of supply on the market, they think will lower the cost of heavier grades around now and through the rest of the year. Marathon and Valero, who I said are geared to process those heavier grades also, and surprisingly mentioned that, that they expect a better heavy light differential for the rest of the year. So it looks like a good picture, but Bank of America, um, they downgraded their outlook for refiners in an August research note. And they were arguing that these recently wide refining margins, kind of in reference to the, the 2022 margins, were peaking. And as refinery outages across the US are resolved and facilities transition to winter grade gasoline production, we should expect a narrowing of margins. Um, they said that this is the case despite these ongoing low gasoline inventories that with margins having peaked in summer driving season and that coming to an end and refiners switching over to blending um, cheaper winter grade product, that's going to outweigh those those low gasoline inventories and margins are going to uh, compress a bit. So they they downgraded Philip 66, Marathon, Valero, PBF, and HF Sinclair to to neutral from buy ratings. So they didn't they didn't downgrade them all the way to a sell, i.e. an extremely negative outlook. But their view of the sector has cooled a little bit. Always good to remember though that Bank of America have this this long term thesis about U.S. refiners, which is heavily followed in the industry and much talked about what they call the region golden regional golden age of refining thesis which i think they first published in around march 2022 and they argued that u.s refiners are have structural um, tailwinds behind them at the moment they are they're poised for higher than average profitability because they have access to very cheap indigenous natural gas in the united states and they are operating in a market where Facility outages and closures since the onset of the COVID-19 
pandemic have basically kept the balance of supply and demand very tight. So in summary, some headwinds in the second quarter, maybe a little bit of an anomaly in margins. The, the trend for the last 12 months is definitely a narrowing of refiner margins, crack spreads, and therefore refiner profitability. But it's it's too it's too early to call the end of the good times for the refining industry in the U.S. at least. A couple more minutes here with our U.S. downstream reporter Nathan Risser on driving discussions. Nathan, we're recording this in October. The end of the calendar year is in sight. It looks like we're going to make it through hurricane season without a storm hitting a refinery on the Gulf Coast, which I don't think has happened in quite some time. What other things are you looking at here the rest of the year? Any key areas of concern or interest for you? Yeah, one area of interest um, related to almost uh, the Gulf Coast and the hurricanes there is kind of a different problem. It's been the extreme extreme heat that's happened this summer along the, along the Gulf Coasts. Um, some analysts attributed summer spikes in retail gasoline and diesel prices to extreme heat that was curtailing refinery throughputs. And we were in, really interested in Argus and talking about that. But we we didn't see a dip in u- utilization on the Gulf Coast that supported that explanation. So I'll be really looking forward to an er- upcoming earnings calls, whether the refiners talk about and can maybe put some facts behind that narrative of how much extreme heat actually affected refinery operations. And therefore, we have some kind of base in the future to understand if we have a really hot summer next year, what can our outlook be for how much that could curtail throughputs and therefore rise prices? Or or maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's the wrong explanation. Um, there's, there's very good reasons why high temperatures um, make running a refinery harder. One part is that you've got to keep that refinery cool. So you have these air-cooled and water-cooled units that are designed to regulate temperature, and they could reach their limits, very much like how the AC in one's car might struggle in a 105-degree day in Houston. You also have... Um, FCCs, fluid catalytic cracking units, which is one of the essential components of producing gasoline um, at refineries, they become less effective in high temperatures because, keeping it very simple, the air that you use to clean the catalyst, which helps refine the product, the air becomes less dense. The way it works, you effectively blast air at a catalyst and it cleans it. As heat rises, the air is less dense, you get less good at cleaning your catalyst, that unit becomes less effective at producing gasoline. The heat also relates to maintenance. So it'd be interesting to see whether any maintenance was delayed during the summer because of the high heat. And that's why we're having an above average turnaround season this fall. Um, Obviously, workers in extreme heat have to take more consistent breaks, so things take longer. And also, any cleaning that's required in refineries, um, such as scrubbing down tanks, they have to use less volatile compounds, even sometimes switching to water to, que- to clean tanks, which effectively takes much longer. So then something a bit more forward-looking, thinking about for the end of the year and what will likely be discussed on earnings calls quite heavily is the startup of the Dangote refinery in Nigeria, which is a 650,000 barrel a day refinery when it reaches full capacity. So we're thinking, how how is that going to affect US product markets? Now, the officials of the refinery say the startup is imminent, but traders in Europe and the market more broadly are apprehensive about 
the actual startup and at what rates it's going to be running at. So the consensus seems to be that even if it gets running soon, utilization rates are going to be low and the refinery is more likely to start producing middle distillates before producing gasoline some sometime in 2024. Either way, the reason this is interesting is that the US has benefited from a tight refining market with limited capacity. So when you have these global upstarts, everyone's interested to see how will that affect US refining margins and potentially compress them. The other thing we're interested in is the rerouting, the rerouting of trade flows. So Europe sends some barrels of gasoline to West Africa. Will Dangote start up and reach utilization rates in gasoline production that will meet domestic Nigerian or West African gasoline demand. And therefore, you have these spare European gasoline barrels. Where do they go? Do they go to the US? And how does that also affect US margins, US stocks, and the refining market there? There are many hurdles before any of this happens with Dangote, right? It's got a startup, it's got to get to producing gasoline it's got to then meet domestic supply before any of these 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 trade routes change as a result of it but it's definitely something i expect analysts and companies to be talking about in the upcoming earnings calls and it's sort of a longer term trend we're watching um something to bear in mind there is that that Dangote refinery is a single train refinery and i believe it has the largest cdu crude distillation unit ever made so when we talk about trade flows and markets changing as a result of this massive refinery upstart, we always have to remember the the production from it could be very lumpy in the future because if if some major issue happens or they have to take that CDU down from maintenance, the whole facility is going to go offline. So we've got to be careful in making predictions about how that's going to affect markets in the coming one, two, three, three years. And then just wrapping things up, we'll be looking for the usual things for the rest of the year, especially during the earnings calls. What effect are crude prices and OPEC production cuts have, having on refiners from a corporate perspective and also the market? How are heavy light crude spreads looking? Um, and we're always looking out for commentary on refining margins going into the winter season. What are refiners' expectations for how cold a winter it's going to be? How are stocks looking compared to demand? Um, that's what that's what we're going to be focusing on for the rest of the year. And he will be having his finger on the pulse of it all, the usual and the unusual. U.S. Downstream reporter Nathan Risser, thanks as always, my friend, for doing this. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks for having me. With that, we conclude yet another edition of Driving Discussions, a production of Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. This reminder to check out the previous episodes in our series, and for more details on Argus's U.S. products coverage, make sure you check out argusmedia.com slash us dash products.